Amen. Well, it's good to be here again. Up here at the podium, preaching to the men. So we're going to start out this morning with uh, a little test, a little quiz. Um, this is not a pass, you go to heaven, fail, you go to hell test. Nothing like that. Just a, a simple little test, and I don't actually expect you to know the answer, so don't get anxiety or nothing. But let me say this. Uh, I'm going to give you certain phrases, and you tell me whether or not you believe it's in the Bible. Okay. So now I know I don't expect you to know every single scripture in the Bible. So again, this is not a life or death quiz, but here it is. Number one, to the victor goes the spoils. Do you think that's in the Bible? Nope, it's not. That's from a book by William Marcy. Second question, can a leopard change his spots? No. <laughs> Jeremiah 13, 23. <laughs> in the Bible. Question number three, no rest for the wicked. That's in the Bible. Actually, the Bible says there's no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Calm down. Number four, God helps those who help themselves. Aesop's fables, that's where that comes from. That's like the blind leading the blind. Actually, it says, can a blind man lead a blind man? All right, let me give you one last one for y'all freak out. Money is the root of all evil. No, it's not what it says. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, what was the purpose of this little exercise? The goal is this. There's a lot of phrases in society that sound like scripture, but they're not. There's a lot of things. And it's important to know that because it may seem innocent. Well, it's really close, or at least they're talking about something that's biblical. But the fact is, you cannot replace God's thinking with human reasoning. Once you do that, you end up with a messed up life and a messed up theology. And David recognizes this. Look in Psalms 119 with me here. Psalms 119, middle of your Bible, book of Psalms. Just open it to the middle. It should be right in Psalms 119 somewhere. Psalms 119, verse 9. Actually, we'll, we'll do this. Let's, let's back this up. We'll just start at verse 10. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. David was telling us, if you want to live the right kind of life, we need to have God's word in our heart. We need to have it in our lives. It needs to be a part of who we are. The wrong thinking, the wrong living, is based on wrong information. 
while good thinking, good living is based on good information. And God's word is the best information you can get. Look at what Jesus tells us in John 17, verse 17. John 17, verse 17. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The Bible is like an ancient boundary marker. It marks the beginning of truth and the end of truth. If you stay in the Bible, you will know the truth. Now, what is a boundary marker? A boundary marker or a landmark is something that establishes boundaries of property. God has boundaries that he has set up to protect his house. Back in the days in ancient Israel, boundary markers were mainly stones or trees that people had. And so if you had a dishonest neighbor, they would move your stone, which was your marker, to make sure they had more land than what was actually theirs. That's why it says in Proverbs 22 verse 28, do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. It says there are boundary stones, there are markers, there are boundaries that are set up to protect what is there. You know, I read about a dispute between two neighbors that actually made it all the way to court. And it seems like they were really good friends at one time and they built a hedgerow together that divided their property. And both of them worked the hedgerow, they had a good time, but then they got into an argument, into a fight. And because of this argument, they just dug up the hedgerow. Well, later on, one of the neighbors set up a chain link fence, but he did it further than his boundary for his property. So he extended it to the ex- next to the neighbor's uh, property, but he set up the fence. And then when the neighbor finally realized it, he was upset. He took him to court basically for two reasons. He said, first of all, the neighbor didn't care when he put the fence up. And secondly, his neighbor didn't complain in the proper amount of time. So in other words, what the neighbor did, he encroached on the other person's property. But by law, you have a certain time limit to do something to dispute it. If you don't within a certain time limit, then there's nothing you can do about it. Now this was interesting because we all have landmarks, we all have boundaries in our lives. And God's word is our boundary marker for our lives. Again, look at Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 5 and 6. David says, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. You know, David knew as long as I live within God's boundaries, I wouldn't have a life of shame. I won't have a life of guilt. I'll have a life that protects my reputation and my family. If I stay within the boundary markers of the, of the Lord, I can have personal righteousness. I can have relationships that are righteous. 
God has set boundary markers to protect his house and his people. Okay. Amen. It doesn't just start today. Look back in Exodus chapter 19. Exodus 19, verse 10. That's towards the beginning of your Bible. (laughs) Just checking. Exodus 19, verse 10. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not go up to the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him. Whether man or animal, he shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, may they go up to the mountain. God says, listen, Moses, this is what I'm doing. I'm coming to town. And when I come to live with you in your neighborhood, there needs to be boundaries. There needs to be rules that people need to listen to. So I'm going to be on this mountain. And if anybody comes to this mountain, if they touch it, they are going to die. I don't even want you to touch them, though. I don't need you to throw stones at them, shoot them with arrows. They must die if they go past this boundary. Now, Moses could have said, why are you so uptight? It's just a mountain, a piece of hill, a land. Why, God? But he says, because of my righteousness, this is my house where I'm going to dwell. And because of that, there will be boundaries to protect my house. Nobody, nobody touches my house. Now think about this. This is God's house. And God sets up his boundaries. So the question I started thinking is, why didn't God deal with the people? Why did God tell Moses that this is what needs to happen? And then I realized this, and this is the first point. God expects his boundaries to be enforced by his people. God expects his boundaries, what he has set up to protect his house, to be enforced by his people. You know, when Israel came to this mountain, they had come to the glorious, holy presence of God. And God says, if you cannot respect my holiness, I will remove it from you. You know, this is why there's so many churches that do not have the holiness and righteousness of God. Because if you can't live up to God's boundaries, his word, not just doing a couple of good things for the community, but living each living stone, living by the word of God. If you can't live up to doing what God says, following his boundary markers, he will remove his holiness from you. He's talked about that in the garden. Adam, Eve, you need to obey this or you're going to die. All the way to the last book. Think about it. In Revelation, he told them if they didn't repent, what was he going to do? Remove their lampstands. From the beginning to the end, he says, I have boundaries to protect my house. And you must enforce these boundaries. As I read this, I started looking at it and then I realized, you know what? It doesn't say that anybody died once God set these boundaries up. And I started thinking, well, why? And then I thought, well, here's why. 
If you knew you had to enforce God's boundaries and you saw your mother, your husband, your wife, your nephew, your niece, anybody walking anywhere near that mountain, what would you do? You snatch them up. You pull them away. Why? Because you care about them. You wouldn't want them to touch that because now you have to kill them. If you saw them walking over there, you wouldn't say, hey, don't do that. It might be too late by the time you say that. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? So what would you do? You'd run over there, you'd snatch them back, and you wouldn't be worried about, oh, my tone wasn't proper. You wouldn't care about your tone. You'd deal with that after you rescued them. But he, you would pull them back because you love them that much. That is one of the functions of God's house, to protect the brothers and sisters, the family in the house. Guys, this is what we got to understand. There are boundaries in our lives. God has set up boundaries for his house. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it's your responsibility to uphold God's boundaries. Amen. Too many times we wait, God, God will deal with it, let's just pray about it. Or we'll, we'll, we'll say, oh, you know, the leaders will deal with it. You know what? God allowed you to see it because he wants you to deal with protecting his house. He didn't let you see it so you can go tell somebody else what happened. He let you see it so you can deal with it. And this is where each of us, especially the men, because we are the leaders that God said. He said, you need to step up and protect my house. When you see another brother not doing what they need to do, crossing those boundaries, being in the unrighteous side, you need to go snatch them up and bring them back. Why? Not because you're the dominant one, but because you want to protect God's first and then their lives. And this is where we've got to get to, guys. We've got to have more of a focus of protecting God's house than just being friends with people. Because so many times when we're friends, we have those friend talks, we have those friend conversations, we talk about the movies. If you can't talk to your brother in Christ about God, who will you talk to about God? But we get so caught up in just being such buddies that we stop protecting God's house. God says, I chose you to deal with the things that you see. Stop waiting for somebody else to do it. Now, yesterday I challenged us to be more involved in the sermon. Give some amens, some yes. And yesterday, people stepped up and did it. Not everybody, but a lot of people did. And I think some people probably said about 15 amens inside, but they didn't let it out. It's kind of like I talked about I'm happy, but my face didn't show I'm happy. Now that was yesterday. So now we woke up, here's a new day. Do you go back to the old way or are you going to keep that fervor, that desire to say, you know what, I'm going to step it up. I'm going to amen and not care. If you can't say amen at a church men's retreat, something is wrong. So here's the thing. We all have boundary markers, but there are things that can encroach on God's boundaries. So this is what I want to talk to us about because our job is to protect this house. Well, what is it that can encroach on God's boundaries? Number one, the first thing that can encroach on God's boundary is us. 
It's you, it's me. It's us. Why? Because when things start to get uncomfortable, we move the boundary marker. If we know this is where we need to be, but, ooh, then we move the boundary marker. We make it less than where it should be. We lower the standard. You know what? I don't recall one time God asking anybody, how do you feel about this? Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Jesus never asked anybody, this is the command of God. How do you feel about it? He didn't ask anybody that. He didn't say, Moses, how do you feel about this boundaries around the mountain? No. He said, this is the law. This is what you need to do. Kill them. He didn't say, Noah, how do you feel about building an ark and realize some of your family is going to be knocking on that door when it starts to rain? And you got to let grandma just drown and die. You got to let Uncle Buck just drown and die. You got to let it happen. How do you feel about that, Noah? He didn't talk about their feelings. Because his law, his command is all that needs to be said. That's it. But so many times we move the boundary markers because it gets a little uncomfortable for us. You know, on the fire department, your first year is your probationary year, which basically they can fire you for any reason and you can't do anything about it. And so we go through that. And I remember uh, it was the last day of one of the firefighters. And he had made it all, all 364 days. He was his last shift. All he had to do was make it till 7 o'clock that morning when you get off, and you're fine. Well, we had a fire that morning, like 4 o'clock in the morning. So we had a fire. It wasn't a huge fire, but it was just a simple house. And we were there. We were standing there, and the smoke was coming out the attic. And so our captain said, okay, we need you to get up in the attic. And he was like, I'm, just, I'm a little bigger for that. Can we let one of the smaller guys get up in the attic? And the captain said, yeah, sure, no problem. So he let one of the smaller guys get up in the attic. He went in there, it was smoky, I mean, it was just a small fire, but he put it out, five minutes, no big deal. We get back to the station, we start cleaning up, everybody starts talking, you know, we just mingling around. The captain said, hey, why don't you grab your stuff out your locker? He was like, why? He said, because you're done. The very last day. If he had just made it till 7 a.m., they would not have been able to fire him for any reason like that. But he said, this is the rules. I tell you to do something, you do it. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to question. You do what I tell you to do. You should have got up in the attic. And because you didn't, you're done. Pack your stuff. The last day, they sent him home. That was the end of the discussion. You know, when God says something, we don't get a chance to have discussions with him about it. We can't say, well, what are you thinking? And that's what happens a lot of times. We, we need to understand the whole plan before we fully get behind it. Well, if I did this, then what happens? And then where do we go from there? And what's the plan of the whole church? So I need to do this for the whole church? You don't always get to know the whole plan. You don't know the whole plan for your life right now. But see, we start to move the boundary marker. Think about it. If you go home and you treat your wife the way you feel she should be treated, you're going to have problems. You need to treat her the way the boundary markers of the word of God says. Now, it's not like, well, you know what? She hasn't cooked in a whole week. I'm tired of Uber Eats. I'm tired of all this stuff. So I feel like I shouldn't have to do that either. I ain't taking out no trash because she ain't cooked a meal. See, it comes down to... Oh, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> Are you going to move that boundary marker? You know, many parents, 
move the boundary markers when it comes to their kids because they're afraid that if they have certain rules, the kids will rebel and no longer love them and no longer respect them and they'll pull away from them. Listen, that is the biggest mistake you can make. But if I do, they might rebel. They might pull away. They might do a whole lot of stuff if you don't. But so many times people are scared of how their kids might act. You are the parent. You supply for the kids. You set the boundary markers in your righteous house. It's not about this is the way we got. God said you're the parent. You're the man of the house. You lead the house. Not the little kids. Just because those angel wings go down and demon horns pop out, you lead the house. That's right. You cannot be afraid of your kids. The first thing that moves boundary markers is us. Guys, you got to look at this. When you start to feel uncomfortable about something, do you move the boundary marker? Do you stop protecting God's house and start thinking about self-preservation? The second thing that moves those boundary markers is our negligence. We just don't pay attention when the markers are being moved. We say, well, it's not my fault, and I didn't move those boundary markers. No, but did you even realize it was being moved? This is happens, this our negligence. The guy, they, 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 they uprooted the hedgerow. Somebody else put a chain link fence out there and the guy just sat in the house like, oh wow, I'm glad he put that fence up there. Now I don't have to go do it. With his laziness, it caused him to lose some of his property because the guy extended it too far. If he had got up, went out there, saw what he was doing at the time, no, 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 that's not right. He could have corrected it. But his negligence, his laziness caused him to lose property. Sometimes things happen, guys, because we just don't even think. I tell my kids all the time, I don't think you're lazy. I think you're lazy-minded sometimes. You don't even care to think about the next step. You just kind of flow in the moment. Guys, we cannot be negligent. Back when ABC had a comedy called Spin City, the actor who played uh, homosexual activist Michael Boltman said, comedies are perfect vehicles for controversial subjects like homosexuality. Boltman told TV Guide, the best way to slide these controversial issues under America's doorstep into their living rooms is to have them start laughing at first. Suddenly they find themselves, if not accepting the new ideas, at least willing to discuss them. They do it on purpose. Television shows, radio stations, they ease their way into your house by getting you to laugh and joke with it, and next thing you know, you're accepting it. People will, you tripping, man. People will work on you. Your relatives will work on you. Once you set that boundary line, people will try to move it. And let me say this. If you don't set your boundaries, somebody else will set them for you. How many times are you talking to somebody and they sitting there smoking a cigarette, cussing, then you invite them to church, ooh, praise the Lord. You know, I was going down the street the other day, I almost ran a gas and the Lord saved me, amen. All of a sudden they turn religious. 
just because you start talking about God. You know, there are going to be people that test you to see if they can get you off track. Why? Because your life convicts them. Like I said before, when I played football, they would bring girls into my room. They tried to tempt me so many times at the fire station. After fire, we put fires out, save people's lives or houses. Those women come to thank us in many different ways. You'll be amazed at what happens in those fire station bays. Wow. It happens. You know what? When that happened, I saw it happening. I started having D times at night when I was on the shift. I had Christians come up there and we'd have conversations there because I knew what was going to happen eventually. So I made sure I put myself in a position that would not be compromising of my convictions. We've got to ask ourselves, do we allow other people to set your boundaries for you in righteousness? And honestly, many of us, the person that can push our buttons the most is our spouses. You know, there are so many people that can say something to me and I don't care at all. But if my wife says something to me, boy, I can get hot. I can be, ooh, mm-mm. Now, it's not like she's purposely trying to do it. But I have to set the boundaries for, okay, you know what? We're not going to have this discussion or we're going to pray now or something's got to happen. But many of us let our wives lead us even in setting the boundaries for spirituality. We've got to make a decision. Who moves the markers? Nobody moves the boundary markers. Look over in Psalms 119. It's important to make sure you know where God's boundary stones are and make sure they're not moved. But how can I make sure I know where they are? Well, look at what it says again in Psalms 119, verse 12. Psalms 119, 12. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statues as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. You know, David says again in verse 12, teach me your decrees. He realized that we're going to have things that only God can help us understand. There are certain, only God can help us understand. And he's pleading with God to teach him what he needs to learn. Then in verse 13, he says, he recounts all God's laws. In other words, he sits down and he thinks about God's laws, God's standards over and over again. Verse 15, it says he meditates on God's decrees. That means he just sits down and he just thinks about God's interaction with Moses with Joshua, with Esther. I mean, he's thinking about the great people in the scriptures and their relationship with God. Guys, sometimes we just need to stop and just think about what we read. It's not about reading. I read the whole chapter of John 4. Sometimes you may just need to read the first parable of John 4 and just sit and think about it. What was going on around this situation? What did they see? Where was it at? What's going on? That's how you start to understand more about Jesus. It says, he cons- verse 15, he considers and thinks about God's ways. It is so important for us to take time to get into God's word. The word of God is truth. 
And if we're not in it, we won't know the truth. David wanted to know where the landmarks, where the boundaries were so he could stay within God's will. Guys, we've been around long enough to not have to have somebody ask us, are you having your quiet times? Right. Right. I mean, it all actually, that should not even have to be a question anymore. Because we all know you're not going to make it without having your quiet times. That is so important. Let me close out with this. Harry Fostig once told of a little church on the coast of England that was ruined in a hurricane. The congregation wasn't wealthy enough to rebuild it, and they were in despair. Then one day, a representative of the British Admiral Army came to the preacher. He asked if the congregation intended to rebuild their church building. The preacher explained that they just didn't have the money to do it. Well, the representative of the British Navy said, if you don't rebuild the church, we will. This church is on our charts and our maps. It is the landmark by which our ships set their course. We need your church to help guide the way. Wow. Amen. Guys, we need to protect this house. Amen. Because this is what so many people, this is the only hope for so many people in this city. We have got to protect the house. And God says it is the responsibility of his people to protect his house. Amen. You know, when you have a dog, and somebody tr- tries to attack the dog's master, that dog will get vicious. He'll start barking and growling and ready to attack. Satan is trying to attack God's house. How much more loyal should we be to God than a dog to his master? If a dog is ready to attack, think about how we should respond. You cannot encroach on God's house. And if you see a brother, a sister, a friend, going off track, about to step foot where they shouldn't step foot, we need to go after them and bring them back. Because we need to be our brother's keeper. I love you. Thanks for allowing me to be here. Let's protect this house and to God be the glory.